When COVID struck, I knew there would be a lot of people wanting to get rid of their anxiety, so I added a 50% discount to the Safe Empowerment System for social and generalized anxiety. Get the safe system over at quietbegins.com and take advantage of the discount while you can. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the overwhelmed brain where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I got a subject today that uh, I don't really talk about hardly ever on this show. Well, I, I guess the main topic of the subject I do talk about, but uh, the details of the subject I'm going to talk about right now, it's going to stem from this letter that I received. I'm just going to read you the letter and we'll take it from there. The letter says, Hi, Paul. I'm here to say a deep, heartfelt thank you. I discovered your show recently, and I'm so grateful I did. I know you get a lot of emails, so please don't feel pressure to respond or put this on the air. <laughs> okay, I won't feel any pressure. I'm putting it on the air anyway. If you think it will help people, feel free. And yes, that's why I'm reading it now. He goes on to say, I have ADHD and MDD and GAD and PTSD-C and previously PMDD cured by a hysterectomy in April. Wow. Uh, I didn't look up some of those and I know some of those and uh, I'm sure some people in the audience can relate to that. But that's only one point of the email, so I'm going to continue reading it here. I'm also a transgender man. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a man who was assigned female at birth. So some people who were female at birth, if they identify as a man, they may go through a hormonal treatment or a surgical transition so that they can feel in alignment with their identity. And uh, he goes on to say, I also have gender dysphoria. And for those who don't know, that's the distress a person feels due to a mismatch between their gender identity and their sex assigned at birth. Thank you, Wikipedia, for that one. I wanted to get that one right. Not that I didn't know, but I wanted to make sure I read that properly. He said he's had lots of trauma, more than I realized. And no, this is not a sob story. This is a story of regaining power in a sense, however terrifying, of responsibility and of forgiving myself a break. And I love that he said that because obviously he's been listening to my show. That's how I talk about forgiveness is forgiving yourself a break for who you were, how you thought, how you showed up at the time that you're still upset about or you have some feelings about. Um, there's more to it, but you know, certainly go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and look up forgive in the search field or forgiveness or forgiving, and you will find many episodes I talk about forgiveness and how I view forgiveness. So I am so glad he said that because 
you can release a lot of forgiveness if you are able to give yourself a break or like he said and I've said, forgive yourself a break. Because when we have trouble getting over something and we think we need to forgive someone else so we can move on, there's often a little bit of self-blame as well. Like, I should have done better. I should have done something differently. And if we can get past the things that we should have done or could have done and forgive ourselves a break during that time, then we can get past it without having to forgive anyone else, if you want. I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to. I don't believe you have to forgive other people. But again, that's another topic for another show, but uh, certainly look that up if you're, if you're interested in that. But he continues, medication restored my ability to think clearly. A hysterectomy saved me from the monthly depressive lows lasting weeks. I thought these things would heal me, but it only started there. ADHD medication started giving me all-day anxiety attacks, which threatened to balloon into panic. I didn't know why until I realized, in big part thanks to you, if I can think clearly, I can be in the moment. If I can be in the moment, I can begin to feel again. If I can feel, I can ask myself, why? If I ask myself, why? I have to face my past. And if I face my past, those old dysfunctional beliefs and behaviors, I see that my past turned me into an addict. You know, I certainly wasn't the first person to come up with thinking in the present moment, and I won't be the last, but that's where he started with this. He said, if I can think clearly, I can be in the moment. Great. So now you connect with the present moment. He did go into what appears to be Something I talk about is the drill down technique where you just keep asking yourself questions and drilling into the problem more and more and more. So whatever challenge you're facing, you drill into that. And I talk about that in other episodes as well. But his drill down was, if I can be in the moment, I can begin to feel. If I feel, I can ask myself why. If I ask myself why, I have to face my past. So he was able to logically, from what it looks like, deduce where the anxiety comes from or where the upset or the emotional triggers come from. And I'm not saying that he found everything. Maybe there's more in there. Maybe there's not. But he certainly understood how he became an addict, at least to this extent. He said, nicotine and sometimes alcohol, I did those things, but uh, thankfully they made me more depressed and anxious the next day. So I was able to quit, and I also had addiction to distractions. So games and quick sugary dopamine hits and my phone and anything to avoid facing my fears, confusion, and mistakes, overwhelm, and responsibilities. So he's realized that his addictions were there to replace dealing with his emotions. And I think he says that in a moment. I've spent 25 years burning in psychological hell making unconscious mistakes out of a drive to cope while carrying multiple undiagnosed disorders and 10,000 pounds of pain and low self-esteem. I'm here again, awake, sober, anxious as hell, still confused, terrified of the knowledge that I need medication to be clear and rational, but seeing that means I really am not completely responsible for everything I ever did wrong. I'm not a bad person. I've learned and grown since then. 
guilt is temporary and sometimes not even reasonable. I can trust myself now to stay present and make better decisions. So long as I take my medication and I face my anxiety instead of running from it, and thanks to you, honor myself to stop bottling up until I disintegrate. Past abuse and the choices I made as a result of that and mental illness made me into a ghost. I couldn't connect with anyone, and no one could connect with me. Somehow I find myself in a beautiful house with a job, not a great job, but a job, and a beautiful daughter and husband, and a chance to move forward, despite the mess behind me. I'm going to use my fear of losing it to make me appreciate it while it's here. And I'm going to work on accepting everything that happens, no matter how painful, without falling back into addictions and numbness. Thank you. What an amazing message. I mean, there's still stuff that he's dealing with, of course, but this sounds like he took a massive step forward. Or maybe he sees it as a small step forward, but either way, for him to write this, knowing that he's still suffering in some ways, it shows that he has made some progress to be able to share this because it sounds like he was in a much worse position than he was. So I want to thank you for writing this. The person who wrote this, it takes a lot of energy to go through life with everything that you've experienced. And like you said, all these undiagnosed disorders and pain and low self-esteem, you've had a lot to deal with. And I am so grateful that you shared this with me. Thank you so much. And thank you for your words about me. But you are the one who's done all this work. <laughs> I gave you suggestions. I gave you maybe a, a direction. But you did the work. You did all the tough stuff. And I just sit behind a microphone sharing this stuff with you. And hopefully people like you and anyone listening will be able to take something from what I share on the air and improve their life in some way. And so this looks like an improvement to me. This sounds like a huge improvement to me. And so at the beginning of the episode, I did say that there was a deeper meaning or deeper thing I wanted to talk about here that wasn't necessarily about all these things that he's dealing with, which you know, there's many subjects here we could talk about. And I'm going to talk about a couple of them, but I really wanted to dive into this letter regarding the courage it takes and the mental strength it takes to not only take a step forward, to get some forward momentum, even if it's a baby step, to go in the direction that you need to go for you, to go toward healing, and to not use your vices or your habits or your addictions to repress what needs to be addressed. Because I guarantee you, just like anyone else in the world, he doesn't want to feel anxiety. Nobody wants to feel anxiety. And if he's dealing with anxiety, what do you want to do? You either want to release it or push it back down. But how many people will actually go, whoa, I'm having anxiety. Let's explore that. That's telling anxiety to come up so we can address it. And of course, while we're addressing it, we're feeling it. And nobody wants to feel it. But look at this guy. This guy has been through so much. And he's still going through. He's still trying to probably figure things out. But he is addressing it. He knows 
he's suffering. So he's going to deal with his emotional state. He's going to bring it up. He's going to think about it. He's going to talk to it. He's going to talk through it. He's going to ask himself questions. He's going to deal with it. This is not something that we can just throw back in because then we keep it. And when we keep it inside, anxiety, for example, it festers and it stays. And sometimes it even amplifies. So the next time it comes up, it feels even worse. And sometimes it's just just that generalized anxiety where you feel it. It's the same all the time. It never goes away. And that's what it sounds like he's dealing with. But he brings it up. And I highly recommend, he said he just found this podcast. Highly recommend you listen to my episodes on anxiety. Because if you haven't, I have some unorthodox ways that I've dealt with anxiety. And I recommend that others deal with anxiety as well if they haven't been able to resolve it. Uh, That's what it sounds like he's dealing with, but he brings it up to address. I highly recommend you listen to my episodes on anxiety because if you haven't, I have some highly unorthodox ways that I've dealt with anxiety and I recommend others deal with anxiety as well if they haven't been able to resolve it. And even if you have dealt with your anxiety, some methods in those episodes might be helpful to you if it ever comes up. I use them myself. So that might be helpful too. So just go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and look up anxiety and you'll find all sorts of episodes where I talk about that. But anyway, coming back to the courage it takes to get through these kind of challenges in life, it's so hard. I mean, I can't imagine this planet is still in its infancy of accepting people's identity and how they self-identify and how they feel. For him to be able to say that he's a transgender man to anyone, like if somebody said that 20 years ago, that probably wouldn't be as accepted or seen as normal. I mean, I don't know when we started actually becoming more accepting of this and seeing it as something that people experience and deal with and feel inside of them. But I was grateful when people became more accepting and more understanding that we all feel different. We all identify differently. And just because we're born with certain parts, we may not feel like a typical person who has those parts. And so I like seeing the planet kind of transition themselves. We can become a trans planet. (laughs) Don't take that the wrong way. I'm saying we transition our thoughts. We transform our acceptance. We become more open-minded. We get into a space of, hey, that person doesn't think like me, and that's okay. Wouldn't that be great? Everyone just said, that person doesn't think like me. That person doesn't feel like me. That person doesn't look like me. And that person does things that are different from me. That's okay. That's fine. Because nobody has to be me. Nobody has to be like me. Nobody has to think like me. They don't. I mean, there are some exceptions, like it would be great if everyone treated a red light as a stop, (laughs) but sometimes they don't. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm saying in general, when it comes to people's personal decisions and personal life, uh, we can just look at them and not be judgmental. And I'm not saying that you aren't this way. I think the listeners of this audience are pretty darn accepting, pretty darn open-minded, or at least would like to be more open-minded and more understanding or learn more about how to improve themselves and 
become a better version of themselves. And if you think you don't personally know someone that can't identify as the gender they were born as, you may be surprised to find out that you actually do. It's a lot more common than most people think. I've met several people in my life that have chosen to identify as a different gender, and I know someone personally in my own family that chooses to identify as a different gender, and uh, his parents uh, support him, and I love them. <laughs> I think they are amazing that there was no pushback, there was no resistance. So it's very common that you might know someone. So I think it's important just to understand that, yeah, we're all different. And in the past, I've had this thought where, you know, if you're born with male parts or you're born with female parts, why don't you feel male and why don't you feel female? Why wouldn't somebody feel like the person who has the parts they were born with? In other words, why wouldn't a person born with a penis feel like a man? And why wouldn't a person born with a vagina feel like a woman? And I'm sure there's studies on this, but my own theory it really doesn't make much sense, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that we are kind of born with operating systems. If you're familiar with computers, a computer is nothing until you have an operating system. And when you put the operating system like Windows or Mac, what is it, Mac OS, something like that, I'm a Windows guy, and uh, or Android is an operating system, iOS on the iPhone, that's an operating system. If you were to take out the operating systems of a computer or a phone, it would just be a piece of hardware. It wouldn't know what to do. You couldn't make a call with it because the screen couldn't come on. Because how is the screen going to come on if it doesn't have a system that tells it how to operate? And so I see human beings like that. We're born with an operating system. It's our brain, it's our nervous system, it's how we're designed, it's our instincts, it's everything. Our cells know what to do. Our cells know how to heal when we get a cut. So what I think happens is that the majority of us might be born with a particular operating system. I was born with male parts and the male operating system was installed. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that works. Maybe it's genetic, but I feel like a man. There's no gender dysphoria like this person mentions where I'm distressed because I feel like there's a mismatch between how I look and who I am with how I feel or who I feel like I should be. So that operating system matches. It's in alignment with me. But what if somebody's born with a different operating system? What if somebody who has female parts is born with the male operating system. I hope this isn't offensive to anyone because this is sort of maybe more metaphorical than anything. And it helped me understand the concept behind how someone couldn't identify because I had trouble with it. I had trouble trying to figure out why wouldn't somebody feel like a man. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like 15 years ago, I'm trying to struggle with this, trying to figure this out. So if anyone's listening, struggling with the same dilemma that they can't figure out, well, why wouldn't somebody feel like a man? It's, you know, they got the parts. Or why wouldn't somebody feel like a woman? I think there's an operating system. So when we're born, we have this operating system and some operating systems work differently and some people maybe didn't get the right operating system. And I'm not saying that 
anyone got the wrong one, hey, maybe I got the wrong operating system. I'm not saying that there's a right one or a wrong one. I'm saying that I think that these operating systems that we're installed with don't always match what we feel like and what we have for a body and for our shape, for our voice, for you know the way we look, who we attract. They don't always match. So this is kind of metaphorical, like I said, but I think there's some truth to it. I mean, it just makes sense to me that somebody's born with the same parts I am, but they don't feel like a man, so they must have a different operating system. So I like to use that thought. If I meet someone who says, you know, I don't feel like a man, I don't feel like a woman, I'm gender neutral. You know, there are people like that too. They have an operating system that maybe doesn't lean them one way or the other. So these operating systems that we are walking around with help us identify with ourselves, with others. We can even look at the operating system, including our sexual orientation. My operating system says I'm a man and I'm heterosexual. Okay, great. You know, for me, it might be a little easier to deal with the world because the world's already are used to that. But for somebody else, it may not be easy for them especially if the world hasn't come to an acceptance of every type of person, you know, all the letters, L, G, B, Q, T, I, something like that. And when they're presented with that, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm trying to help, A, myself, have it make sense to me, B, have it make sense to those experiencing gender dysphoria, and C, have it make sense to everyone else, just in case there was a mystery that needed solving in their mind. Like, why? What's going on there? So I'm not here to talk about gender dysphoria. I'm not here to talk about any of that stuff. I just wanted to mention that because that's the thought process I had when I first started thinking about transgender and people either confused about their gender or knowing who they are but not being in the body that says who they are, quote, says who they are. And um, if it's ever been a problem for you, maybe you're listening and you are dealing with this, I think personally it can be helpful if you have any confusion about how to identify just to say that, you know what, I have this operating system. I mean, it could be a number of things that you are dealing with. It's not just about sexual orientation or gender identity. It can be a, a number of things. You can have a physiological operating system that causes you to favor classical music. You can have an operating system that helps you make decisions easy. You have all kinds of things that go on in your operating system. And yeah, it's probably just genetic. It's probably in our DNA. It gets passed down in some way, shape, or form. And the majority of people probably end up with a certain type of operating system, and some other people don't. They end up with something else. So I like to think in those terms, and who knows, I might be completely offending people right now, and I, I don't mean to. So I want to bring up the point that I wanted to make uh, regarding this email, which is the courage and the mental strength it takes to be able to take the steps that you need to take, even when you're facing the hardest challenges in life. I mean, for one, somebody who sends an email like this, a lot of people are going to hear this and think, wow, I thought I had it bad. <laughs> I thought I had a lot going on in my life. But the second part of this is when you hear this, you can say, you know what, if this guy went through all of this, I can make it through any challenges I have too. Because this guy went through a lot and he's still going through it, but he's at a point where he says, I'm going to use my fear of losing it to make me appreciate it 
while it's here. Now, it's actually kind of a vague sentence. Appreciate what? <laughs> Appreciate your job and your house and your daughter and your husband? I think that's what he meant. But I'm going to transform that into a double meaning. I'm going to use my fear of losing it to make me appreciate all the things he has while it's here. Or we can read it like this. I'm going to use my fear of losing it to make me appreciate the fear while it's here. Why would I do that? Why would I want to appreciate the fear? Because in this email, he's appreciating the fear. He may not like it and maybe appreciates the wrong word, but I like to use the word appreciate in this context because what he's saying is that, you know what, I'm allowing the anxiety to come up. I'm dealing with it. I'm appreciating the fact that I can acknowledge the anxiety. I'm appreciating the fact that I can acknowledge the fear because if I don't appreciate it, I'm going to stuff it back down or I'm going to turn it into something destructive like addiction. So you know what, I might as well appreciate it. And you might say, but I don't like the anxiety. I don't like the fear. I don't want to deal with this. And when you come to an acceptance of what's going on inside of you, that is a massive first step for you to be able to deal with what's going on inside of you. You know what? I have fear. You know what? I have anxiety. I have all these things. So I'm going to accept that I have them. And then you might think, what if they're there forever? That means I not only have it, now I'm feeling it because I'm dealing with it. <laughs> and if that's the case, then you haven't dealt with it yet. I mean, if you are not letting it come up to experience it, to appreciate it, again, probably a poor choice of words, but if you've been hating it, maybe appreciating it is a good step forward. Maybe appreciating the anxiety, appreciating the fear is a great step forward because you've been hating it all this time. And where has it gotten you? So I'm going to put that double meaning on that sentence. I'm going to use my fear of losing it to make me appreciate that fear while it's here. And, you know, replace the word with anxiety. Replace the word with sadness. Replace the word with anything that you're dealing with. It doesn't even mean you have to like it. Like, I appreciate the ability to be sad. I appreciate the ability to be angry. I appreciate the ability to be anxious. I appreciate the ability to be afraid because they are actual functions that serve us. All of those things serve us. It's just that sometimes, I don't know, our operating system applies them to things that don't serve us. Certain anxieties don't serve us. So maybe we need to tweak that operating system. Maybe we need to figure out what's causing that and drilling into those things and asking ourselves questions like this person did is a great way to do it. So when we come back, I'm going to address one of the primary points in this email, which is making decisions that maybe other people don't agree with. Maybe other people don't understand. When you make a decision that is not popular there's going to be a lot of resistance, which makes the decision harder. There may be even people that don't want to be in your life anymore, which makes it even harder. But I'm going to talk about those kinds of decisions and give you my perspective on them. I hope it helps. We'll be right back.
You know, that was an impactful email. And today's sponsor is a podcast called Stories of Impact. And what a perfect show to share with you today because if you're deeply curious about the world around you or you like to explore the big questions of life, boy, that's what this episode seems to be all about so far. I want you to think about joining host Richard Sergey and producer Tavia Gilbert in conversations with researchers from around the globe in the new Stories of Impact podcast. What they do is bring discoveries of human flourishing and tools for coping with human crises directly to you. If you've ever questioned what good citizenship looks like in a networked age, or if artificial intelligence might help humans be more moral, and many more, each episode helps you explore the big questions of meaning, purpose, and truth. It's fascinating. I want you to check it out. Go to storiesofimpact.org and check out their new episodes every week. If you want to dive deeper into some of the subjects that I bring up on this show, I think that's your next step. Storiesofimpact.org. Welcome back. Like I said, there was a lot of challenges for that person who wrote, and he's still going through them. And he knows that he has to face his challenges every day. He knows he has to wake up and face another day of these challenges, but he continues to do it. And I know there are some people that might think, well, why bother? If it's so challenging, why go through it every day? What's the point? The point is different for everyone. Personally, when I was down and out and I had challenges in my own life, I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to deal with people. I didn't want to deal with life. And it took me several months, maybe longer, to get out of that foggy space in my head. What happens is we always have depressing thoughts and maybe unhealthy thoughts when our head is foggy. And what this person who wrote the email decided to do was not think about the future, not think about the past, and just be in this moment. You know, that's that present moment stuff. And that's hard to do. I know it. But the way I practice that is if I ever need to be in the present moment, I have to go out in nature. I have to stare at the woods or stare at a lake or be with an animal. Animals will definitely keep you present. Even a goldfish. <laughs> when we had a goldfish, we don't have him anymore. We actually gave him to a goldfish rescue. And uh, he was, I don't know, I would say he was happy when he was swimming with other fishes in a good way. He was swimming with the fishes and because uh, he never experienced goldfish before. We had him for like nine years as a solitary goldfish and we brought him to a fish rescue. But when we had him, he was calming. I paid attention to him. It seems like animals will take our attention and bring us to that present moment. So that might be helpful to you. Maybe not. Nature is what I like to do. I like to play my guitar. I play classical guitar and I really love connecting with myself in that moment and the world just fades away. I think when you can get into that space where you actually connect with yourself, where nothing else matters, then it can help you through those foggy moments in your head. I told this story before, but one time I had food poisoning. I ate some bad ham and uh, I got really sick. It was the first time I'd ever gotten that sick. I won't give you all the details, but food poisoning does things to you. <laughs> and uh, 
that was happening to me. There, there were things that, um, let's just say, it was an explosive time. <laughs> During that time, I was married and my wife was really, really trying to help me, really trying to be there for me. It was wonderful. But I felt so sick that I actually felt like I was going to die. And that was the first time I ever felt like I was going to die. And it was amazing what happened as I was getting sicker and sicker. Because what happened was, as that sickness progressed throughout the night, I finally got to the point where all the worries that I had about the future and all the stress and emotional triggers that I had about the past didn't exist. This is something that can happen when you have to deal with something in the moment, in your face, and there's nothing else you can do except be in that moment. When you have to deal with something in the moment because you had no choice, that's very present moment. It may be stressful, you may not like it, but that is one way to get in the present moment. That's why sometimes I say, you know what? If you've got stress, if you're depressed, if you really can't stop thinking about the future and you're worried about the past, uh, go hiking for like 10 miles. <laughs> because after a mile two or three, depending on how healthy you are, if you're in good shape or not, uh, you're going to be like, oh, I can't stand this. I My feet hurt. I don't want to do this anymore. And then after a mile four or five, you you might think, this is impossible. And as you go through your hike, and this could be also a metaphor for the challenges that you put yourself in in life, as you go through that hike, you'll find out that those bills that you haven't paid yet don't matter. You'll also figure out that maybe that breakup you went through doesn't matter because right now your legs hurt. <laughs> right now you're experiencing pain. You're experiencing fear. Like I made five miles. How am I going to make it five miles back? You will become hyper-focused on yourself. I'm not saying it's pleasant and I'm not saying you should do this. I'm giving you this analogy to help you understand that when you challenge yourself, when you actually face that challenge, when you're in the middle of it and you have to put all your attention on it, that the rest of the world seems to slip away. And that can be a very present moment for you. That can be very present-minded for you. When you have to deal with something right here and now, this is when hyper-focus kicks in automatically and the rest of the world really doesn't matter because you're hyper-focused. You have to deal with this now. Those are the kinds of people that run into burning houses to save someone else. Even their own welfare doesn't matter because they're so present with their task at hand. So again, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do any of these things. I'm just offering that as a metaphor for life and what you can do in life. And I also see this person who wrote the email. Everything he's talking about. It's a great metaphor for life. I mean, he's actually experiencing this. I'm trying, not trying to minimize that. I'm saying that when we look at this, we can think, I've had challenges in my life too. And I want to make my main point today, which is when there's a decision to be made, and it's an unpopular one. For example, how popular was his decision to become a man? How popular do you think that was? I don't know when he did it, but... I'm sure it was met with some resistance, especially if he has those old-timey parents. <laughs> I hope, 
and I don't mean to laugh at that, but you know what I mean. Some old-timey people are closed-minded, and so they may not like change. They may not like somebody else doing what they feel like they need to do for them because it infringes on their belief system and infringes on their religious values or whatever. This is what I was talking about earlier. When somebody is different, can we look at them and go, oh, they're different than me. That's a good thing. That's a good thing because they're doing things that make them more comfortable and make them happy. They're not doing things to make me happy. That's not the point of humanity and individuality and autonomy. They're doing things to make themselves happy. They're doing things that they need to do for them to create the life they want. So I am very conscientious of people that have to make a choice that is unpopular. And that unpopular choice is going to turn some people off. It's going to cause a lot of resistance. It's going to make people say, you're bad, you're wrong, you're stupid, you need help, you need a psychiatrist, you need a bunch of stuff because what you're doing isn't in alignment with my values or beliefs. Therefore, you're wrong. And when you run into that kind of resistance, you have to remember that resistance comes from their operating system, their beliefs, their values, their aspirations in life, their interpretation of morals and ethics, their interpretation of everything because they were given that operating system. Can we look at those people and love them and accept them for who they are? Not saying you have to, but can we look at someone like that who has a different operating system, who has different values and beliefs and ideals and say, you know, I accept you for who you are. And then the big question, can you accept me for who I am? Because this is probably what this guy had to deal with. Can you accept me for uh, wanting to be a man instead of me being unhappy as a woman? Can you? And they may say, hell no, I can't accept that. I won't accept that. That's just wrong. This can be with any decision in life. I'm not talking about gender identification today. I'm not talking about sexual orientation today. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the big decisions that other people don't want you to do or are afraid of or don't understand. And I'm telling you, if you want to break that cycle of what you see as closed-mindedness in your circles, in your family, with your friends, whatever it is, if you don't want to see that and you want more people to be accepting and loving and understanding, you might have to be the trendsetter. You might have to take a step forward and make a decision that's right for you. You might have to do things that people don't agree with. And I'm especially referring to very personal things. I'm not talking about robbing a bank. <laughs> I'm not talking about being a serial killer. I'm not talking about that. Those are terrible consequences for everyone. That's not win-win at all. Those are very lose-lose situations. I'm talking about situations where you have a personal decision that affects you and might affect other people in certain ways, but really doesn't affect them at all. And you are wondering if you should make it. I mean, look at um, some of the emails that I've gotten in the past where somebody says, I'm afraid to leave my relationship because of what my family will think of me. That's a big challenge. Your whole family will be against you if you leave this relationship with your husband or wife. How about culturally or religious beliefs, where somebody wants to marry someone of a different religion 
but their family will disown them. You know, I'm going to be really cold here when I say this, but who cares if your family loves you or not? <laughs> I know that's terrible because it's in your religious belief. I don't want to infringe on that. If it's in your uh, family tradition, I don't want to infringe on any of that. I'm just talking about breaking patterns that might be going on too long where you don't get to be yourself. And you define yourself. You. You're the one who defines you. You're the one who takes the steps that changes your life or keeps it the same. You're the one who has to live with you. So the question is, what will you live with? What kind of decisions come up for you where you're going to choose to be the same to satisfy everyone else or change if that's what your decision might bring you to? And if you change, it might actually make you happier and more comfortable. Yeah, but I'll lose my family. I'll lose my friends. Well, you might have to make new friends and might have to make a new family. That is cold. That is heartless. And I'm not saying that because I believe it. I'm not saying that you should do this. I'm only saying it because there might need to be an upgrade to that operating system in you that makes it okay to follow your dreams and follow the path that you want to travel. That upgrade may include getting rid of some old programs. Not that you want to. I don't want to get rid of my family. If I make this decision, it's going to turn my family against me. And I would like to ask how you define family, if that's the case. Because family supports me wanting to be happy. Family supports me wanting to travel a path that works for me. I'll never forget when my mom said, you know, I really miss you. I wish you were here. I wish you lived close. But as long as you're happy, I am. My God, when she said that, that was so wonderful to hear because most of the other times I talked with her, she was crying a lot because I wasn't close to her. You know, I was her favorite son, she would say, and that's terrible because <laughs> I have brothers, uh, or at least one brother of who we share the same mom. You know, because I was the farthest, she never saw me. She was always crying. She always missed me. And I'll never forget, she said her daughter, my sister, told her once, why are you so sad that he's down there and he's living his life? Uh, if he's happy, aren't you happy? And she said, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, I want him to be happy. That's what she asked. Don't you want him to be happy? She goes, yeah, I do. Well, if he's happy, aren't you happy? And my mom, it really sunk in for her. She said, yes, I am. And since that day, she has been so happy for me. Of course, she still misses me, but she has been happy for me. So I look at that as family. I look at that kind of support as family. Hey, if you're happy, I'm happy. If you're doing what you want to do with your life, that makes me happy. What more could you ask for? And that has been sort of my defining line, the standard that I've set for family. Family wants you to live your life and make your own decisions that make you most comfortable and most happy. And it's hard sometimes because if we look at our own family or friends or the people that we're in relationships with, they're going to do things that we know are going to be harmful, that we know are going to make them unhappy. But 
are we going to try to control them so that they don't do those things? I mean, you might think, well, I'm not trying to control them. I'm trying to help them avoid a bad situation. We could offer our thoughts. You know, if you get into that situation, this is probably what's going to happen. But are you going to say, you know, I don't want you to get into that situation because it's really bad for you. You could, I guess, with kids. But you know what kids do? They rebel. <laughs> and adults do too. You know what? I don't want you doing that. So don't do it. Let me control every aspect of what's going on in your life. And I want you to turn out just like me. Or I'm not happy with well, the way I turned out. So I'm going to give you a new direction and make sure that you turn out better than me. With kids, it's different. You know, you have to raise them. You have to give them guidance. You have to do what you can. They rebel. A lot of them do rebel. So we have to be really careful how much control we exert over them. We just want to make sure that we're guiding them right for being the right role model. But everyone else, all the adults in our life, all the friends and family and all those other people, we have to be really careful how much control that we exert in their life and how much we support them. And no matter what, they feel like they can tell us anything because we support their path without trying to alter their path. And of course, people listen to those who want them to be happy. People listen to those that support them. They are more likely to listen to someone who never tells them what to do and just accepts them for who they are than the person who wants to control them and tells them exactly what they should do and micromanages them and makes sure that they don't go down the wrong path all the time. They're more likely to listen to the person that doesn't make rules for them. And this is what I'm mentioning in this episode is that we need to make sure that the people that we define as family are in alignment with who we believe should be family. Because as soon as family or, I mean, anyone, friends, partners in our life turn against us and don't want us to do something that makes us comfortable or makes us happy, now we have resistance. Now we feel alone. Now we have a challenge. And damn, we better be strong. We better be strong in ourselves because if we don't get that support, the only support we may have is from ourselves. We have to move into a stronger place in ourselves, which means we can't rely on anyone else for that support. We can't ask for moral support. We can't ask for a shoulder to cry on because it's not there. That's the toughest part is that when there's no one else there and you have to do it alone, you might have to reach way inside to get that mental strength and empowerment that you need to be able to get through the big decisions in life. The good news is, no matter what decision you make, I can almost guarantee that somebody else has made that same decision. And thankfully, you can usually find people like that. If you have to make a big decision in life, there are usually people that you can find, thankfully through the internet, that have done that too. A simple search, you can find a lot of things. If you can't, then I want to know about it. <laughs> I want to know what you can't find online. So if you're looking for something that you're going through and you can't find somebody else who went through it, I would like to know because that would be fascinating to me and maybe I can give you a suggestion. Just let me know. <laughs> but it's true. Any decision that you make, any behavior that you have, you can probably find someone else who's gone through it. So we're not really alone. We're just not always around the people that we want to support us. The people that we really want to love us and to support us and to 
just accept who we are and accept our decisions, they may not be there. It's not really their fault. It's just that they don't understand. They're not ready to open their mind. They have a different operating system that tells them a different set of rules, a different set of values, a different set of beliefs, different set of ideals, and they just need to follow that because they don't know anything else. They don't know any other way to change. Some people are Macs. Some people are Windows. Some people are Unix. Some people are Linux. <laughs> All right, I know I'm connecting with some of the audience, but I'm losing the rest, so I'll get out of that. And I will say this. As we get to the end of this segment and into the outro, the next segment, which is where we say our thank yous and goodbyes, just remember the final words of this person who wrote the email, which is, I'm going to work on accepting everything that happens, no matter how painful, without falling back. He went on to say a little bit more than that, but I think that's a good place to end it. In other words, there are things that are going to happen, and there has to be a level of acceptance. Otherwise, you may not be able to get through it. If you can't accept that it happened, and you just want to resist it or deny it, then you might fall back. You might go back into some bad behavior or some bad relationship or some bad job. You might be in a bad space. And remember, you have to live with yourself. You have to go to sleep every night with yourself. You are always there and you will always be there. So how are you going to treat yourself, especially if nobody else agrees with your decisions in your way of life, in your thoughts, in your beliefs, in your values, there might be a lot of people that disagree with you. There's a lot of people that disagree with me. A lot of people that agree. But there's 8 billion plus people on the planet, so that's a given. Just remember that. <laughs> there's going to be people that disagree with you. And those people may be the closest people in your life. But there's 8 billion people on the planet, which means... There's going to be a whole lot of people that agree with you as well. It just turns out that they're not the ones you actually wanted to agree with you. They might be people you haven't met yet. And often what happens when we decide to go forward with a decision that we know is right for us, then we meet the right people. Sometimes we're in the wrong mindset. Sometimes we have the wrong operating system. Sometimes we need to make a change in our life so that we actually meet the right people and we've been around the wrong people even if they are people that we love for so long but they just can't get on board with what we want in our lives there are people like that and you just have to remember that you are your decision maker and you are important and people who love you and care about you will want to see you happy they will honor you honoring yourself and when you have people like that in your life that's the best of all worlds, and I wish that for you. Thanks for joining me today. We'll be right back. I'll say my thank yous and goodbyes and my final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to storiesofimpact.org and subscribe and listen to the podcast that helps you explore the big questions of life.
And I want to thank a few people who've left reviews. Uh, there's some good reviews here. Soothing and informative. I really enjoyed this podcast and I find the topic spot on. I also feel a huge sense of calm when I'm listening to your voice. So if I'm having anxiety or any type of nervousness, I put on the podcast and it's almost like a lullaby. Oh my God. <laughs> thank you so much. So informative and soothing. Very helpful, especially for free. Okay. Thank you. Jackie, thank you so much. Uh, from Canada, and um, that's an interesting approach to anxiety. Listen to someone that has a soothing voice. That's a good one. <laughs> thank you, Jackie. Another person wrote, huge, thank you for your podcast on what to do when others don't like you. This is a big issue for me and something that I struggle with. Thank you so much. And she talks about um, how she's been very, I think it's a she, might be he, uh, very vocal in her community about um, racism and stuff, and she's been creating many enemies and so it has made her very unsettled, and uh, this really helped to calm me and put things into perspective. So that was Willow Well One Two Three. Thank you so much. I do hope you get through that. I understand you're out there fighting for a cause. It can be very difficult. And again, we were talking about people that resist. Yes, you might have to take steps that other people don't like. Yeah, that's kind of along the same lines, right there. Thank you, Willow Well One Two Three. Somebody else wrote, uh, bits of wisdom. Paul states in the beginning of his show that these are his opinions. With that being said, his genuine feelings and experiences really make for a wonderful, insightful podcast. I find it less educational and more opinionated <laughs> than anything, but I've gained a lot from it. Uh, that's good, I think. And uh, I listen to a few different psych podcasts, and it puts his into perspective that his podcast is more an education on life than anything. Oh, what a great review. Thank you, Sapphire FMF. And um, other people that have reviewed the show, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your reviews. I try to read them all, and I try to get to them. And uh, I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the people that support the show financially. They go through my uh, membership site over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com where you can listen to private episodes and read some uh, free workbooks and worksheets and See the video archive over there. But these are people who value the show and just wanted to give back. So I want to thank Angela, who's been just started three months ago. Good to have you on board, Angela. Thank you. And Scott, for 14 months, he's been with us. Wow. Thanks, Scott. Brad, at 19 months. And Brad, I've worked with you. Brad was one of my coaching clients for a while, and he was also a uh, tester on the safe system. So good to have you on board, Brad. Thank you for your continuous support. And Holly at three months, awesome to have you, Holly. Thanks for joining, and thank you for your support. Chris at 21 months, wow. Jamie at fifth, what? Jamie at 51 months, and Jennifer at 45 months. I am so grateful for your support. Thank you so much. And um, if you want to become a patron, you can head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That's how you can give back. And all patrons, they support all the financial costs that it takes to create a show like this and keep it running. So, Again, I am so grateful for all patron support, and thank you again. And um, I think somebody told me to mention this. They said, I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. You got to tell people you have a YouTube channel. I do, but the reason I don't mention it is because I don't actually have any videos. They're just these podcasts. I mean, these, these podcasts end up on YouTube to cater to people that listen to things on YouTube. I mean, I listen to audiobooks on YouTube sometimes. So, yes, it is another way to get this podcast, but I don't really have anything substantial on YouTube. It's just this 
podcast. Well, I also have my Love and Abuse podcast as well, but they're not actual videos. They're just audio. So, yes, you can find me on YouTube. You can also find me on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, and all kinds of other podcast players. So uh, if you're looking for this show in other ways, you'll see it out there. So thanks to that person on YouTube who gave me that uh, suggestion. And I want to tell you about the Love and Abuse podcast. I mentioned it just a moment ago. That is a podcast for uh, difficult relationships. So if you're having any type of difficult relationship, whether it's romantic or family or platonic, then you might gain something by listening to Love and Abuse because it really tells you how to deal with poisonous behavior and toxic communication and what to do about it and how to identify control and manipulation and emotional abuse. A lot of stuff that we didn't learn in school. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, most of us didn't learn in school. Uh, or if we learned, it might have been the hard way. Or we are a psychology major, and that might be different. But if you're interested in that, go to loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And for my final words, I'm going to just remind you how important it is to take care of yourself. Now, I don't mean drink a lot of water and eat the right foods. I mean, that's all a given. We all we hear that all the time. You don't need to hear that from me. I'm talking about that person that you go to sleep with every night. You. And the reason I'm repeating this, something I already said earlier, is that it reminds me of how sometimes we treat people that we love. Sometimes the person that is closest to us, in fact, if it's a romantic relationship, that is the person that we go to sleep with, you know, on a nightly basis if we live together. If you live with someone and you love them and you support them and you want them to be happy and that is the person you go to sleep with every night, why wouldn't you treat that person as the most special, most important person in the world? I know I'm not talking to everyone. I know that most of this audience probably treats their loved one like they are the most important person in the world. But I've received too many letters that somebody lives with someone that treats them like garbage. Why would anyone want to treat someone that they live with, that they sleep with every night like garbage? Why would anyone want to make anyone else feel that way? And again, I'm probably not talking to you. I'm, ta I'm probably talking about other people that don't listen to this show. But that's a good reminder to remember that if someone treats you like garbage, it's important for you to remember how important you are and how worthy you are and how you don't deserve that treatment. And if you feel like you deserve that treatment, then you need to work on yourself. You need to work on your self-esteem and your self-worth. Because nobody deserves that treatment when they're working on themselves. Nobody deserves that treatment when they want to do better, when they're trying. I mean, nobody really deserves that treatment at all. But sometimes we think we do. Sometimes we think, I deserve it because I did this. It's like my friend who uh, cheated on his wife, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. He still beats himself up today for it. And some people who have been cheated on might think, yeah, he should. He should continue beating himself up. But there's a point where you have to stop beating yourself up. Because then you can't show up as the person you need to be inside you for you and for others. There's a point where you just have to stop. And I talk about infidelity. If you want to look that up at my website, 
where I give very specific points and a very specific timeline of when to stop beating yourself up. Because if you truly made a mistake and you regret it and you will never do it again, then you deserve to treat yourself better. I mean, again, there's a timeline. It might take up to a year. I believe that when you do regret something, that you do have to beat yourself up for a little bit to help you learn the lesson, to help you make sure that you never do it again. And then there's a point where you move on. Most things that you've done in your history shouldn't stain you forever. Most things you can move past, you can move beyond, so that you can start living life again. Not only because you should start enjoying life again, but because it's hard to show up as the best version of you for anyone else. So even if you feel like you should beat yourself up for something that you did or be down on yourself, you're not giving what other people deserve, the best version of you. And that does take work. It does take work to work on your self-esteem and your self-worth and self-love and self-compassion and just taking care of yourself because you deserve it. And if you think you don't deserve it, Tune into every single episode of The Overwhelmed Brain and make sure that you listen, take notes, and remember how important you are. You are worthy, you are important, and I appreciate you. And if you think, Paul, you don't even know me. I think if you've gotten this far in this episode, I know you. (laughs) I think if you've gotten this far, you've heard everything I've had to say, You didn't shut it off and say, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or maybe you still think that, but you're just listening. But uh, if you have gotten through this episode and other episodes, I know you. I at least know that you're working on yourself because people who don't work on themselves don't listen to this stuff. So if you're trying, then you're going in the right direction. And those are the kind of people I relate to. You are that kind of person. And that makes you important. I'm not saying because I know you, because I care about you, because I appreciate you, that that makes you important. No. What makes you important is that you want to improve yourself. You want to empower yourself. You want to get into a better space so that you can show up as the best version of yourself in whatever crazy world we're in. (laughs) Right now, especially. But whatever the world throws at you, you will have that foundation of strength and hopefully courage to be able to make the decisions that are right for you. So I think I know something about you. You made it this far. Maybe you'll make it to the very last sound that this podcast makes. The last sound. Maybe you're going to sleep. (laughs) Maybe you're listening to this at night. Maybe I'm just filling space. (laughs) Let me tell you this. Always keep an open mind. This will help you step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, if this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.